0: Chapter 1 starting with verse 5 we're reading from the NLT this morning. It says when Herod was king of Judea there was a Jewish Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah and his wife Elizabeth was from the priestly line of Aaron. They were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. And they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, "'Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks.' He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure all of this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. And then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he went home. Soon afterward, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. "'How kind the Lord is!' she exclaimed. "'He has taken away my disgrace of having no children.' So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her.
1: Thank you, Dave. And the blessing of God is always on the reading of his word. Would you allow me to pray just one more time for me as the minister this morning and for you, the hearer? Father God, I just humble myself this morning before you and I know the words that you've given me today, the ideas and the themes. But I ask, Holy Spirit, that you be the communicator of all truth. May the eyes of our understanding be opened and see this passage not just as Mary and Elizabeth's story, But to see our story being written, I just bless you for this great grace that's upon us. And I thank you for the power of your word that it will not return void without performing that which you have planned for it to do. And I thank you in advance for the working of your Holy Spirit in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Six years ago, the Lord gave me uh, a message that I shared in this church entitled, People Used to Say. Last week, God gave me the opportunity to speak to you about there shall be a performance of these things that God has spoken to you. But this text backs up. It precedes what I preached about yesterday. But they're interconnected. And I hope by the end of the service, you'll see how this running theme continues to layer in this truth. Here's a couple that lived for the Lord, served him faithfully. Both of them were in priestly line. Uh, Both of them were sanctified, set apart. They were righteous in God's eyes and they lived childless. And especially in this dispensation and especially in this culture that was uh, very embarrassing. There was a lot of shame in that. But there came a time in their life where God uses a phrase that speaks to more than just an old lady having a baby. He changes what people say. People used to say that she couldn't have a baby. And here she is in the sixth month. Now, pan out with me, if you will, the camera. Here's Gabriel speaking to Mary, who is going to be the housing for the Lord Jesus Christ. He's prophesying the birth of Messiah. And in that context, he brings up somebody else. You know that song, the old nursery song, Which of these things does not belong? Which of these things is not like the other? Here you've got the Son of God. Here you've got Mary the Virgin that's going to fulfill the prophecies of all of the shadows, all of the types in the Old Testament. And Gabriel pulls this information out that God had dialogued with him to share with Mary. And he said, and besides all of this, you know your cousin Elizabeth? Yes. People used to say, And she was barren. She's already in her sixth month. Today I want to speak to you on a very pointed word. When God gets ready to rewrite your story. How many of you think you might have something in here for you today? When God gets ready to rewrite your story. Let me tell you. When he puts the pen to your paper. It doesn't matter what's been written before. What he writes today trumps it all. So I want to pr- preach to you this morning on the subject when God gets ready to write your story. Number one. When God gets ready to rewrite or to begin a new chapter, he begins with one thing. One thing. One moment. One encounter. One thing added. One thing taken away. See, we, we tend to the dramatic. We tend to look for the miraculous. And when God creates, he did it one thing at a time, when he brought the world into existence, one thing at a time, one plant at a time, one bird at a time, one species at a time, if you will. It's all a natural process. Charismatic Christians struggle because they look for magic and they look for something that just is like, and there's this great, unexplainable miracle. I love it when the preacher said, I asked God for an oak tree and he flipped me an acorn. He said, Work it. Work it. We ask God for blessing, and he says, so, work. One thing. It can be a huge thing or a small thing. A public thing or a private thing. A recognized or an unrecognized thing. But it's usually just one thing. When God gets ready to change your life, he does one thing. He often begins new chapters in difficult seasons. Every good book, every good novel begins with some sort of tension, some sort of conflict, battle or struggle, whether it's a romance novel, a suspense novel, mystery or action based. There has to be conflict for it to be a gripping story. And it is this along with the familiarity with the characters that pulls you into a book and you'll read the reviews of a book. and said, I couldn't put it down. When's the last time you read a book that didn't have some suspense in it that you couldn't put down there has to be that oh i hope it works out oh look at the odds and heroes are introduced miracles are explained and we want to have this great story without tension oh i hit something then didn't everybody just quiet y'all got to be a little more lively today because some of the people still vacationing okay y'all good amen john or hallelujah or that's good for them or something let it come out and Let it encourage me. Here's Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they were struggling. Righteous, but struggling. Known the Lord for a long time, but struggling. Priest, but struggling. They were struggling with who they were. Was there no benefit to being the priest of God? Have you ever felt that way? Is there no benefit for serving the Lord the way we have? They struggled with what they knew. They knew that God was more than able to grant their desires to be parents. They struggled with unanswered prayer. Why was God so quiet? Why wasn't God helping? Why wasn't there any movement? They struggled with what they heard. The gossip of others. Speculating as to why they didn't have children. They struggled with what they felt. If they were anything like you or I, they felt hurt. Disappointment. Maybe even anger. But now, they're just numb. And they struggled with what was missing. Children, what's missing for you today? Where's your emptiness? Where's your void? Where's your loss? Are you struggling? If you are, God loves to use dark backdrops when he writes his most beautiful sunrises. God loves to use black backdrops when He paints His beautiful sunrises. I've told you before that God makes your days out of the nights before. Genesis says, and the evening in the morning was the first day, and the evening in the morning was the second day. Not the morning in the evening, but the evening in the morning. I've heard it said that God makes our days out of our nights. And we get hung up on how dark it is, or how empty it is, or how uh, much tension there is, how much conflict there is. And you you need to understand that for it to be a good story, there has to be a good tension. So when the hero gets the girl, and the sick little boy gets healed, and the barren woman gets a child, and the abandoned boy gets a family... And the broken lady gets the freedom to dance again, and the warrior gets peace. God writes the story in such a way that all the glory turns to Him. When God gets ready to rewrite your story, He often begins with one thing Could it be that you are so numb that you miss the one thing He's doing? or saying, or speaking. There are many of us that sporadically serve the Lord and sporadically come to church. And the one thing, Zechariah was the angel appearing while he was at worship. Could it be that you missed your angel because of inconsistency? We need to make sure that we're about the Lord's work and about our faithfulness and be looking. Hey, despise not the day of small beginnings. Do you find it funny or have you ever thought about the children that you would die for came from one encounter? One seed. One. You don't need to make it more than one or make it wild. Just look for one. Number two. When God gets ready to write your story, rewrite it, he begins new chapters with divine interruptions. I don't want to go in great detail, but understand this. On this day where Zechariah was in the holy place, not the holiest of holies, but in the holy place, he was offering incense right before the drape that separated the priest from the very tangible presence of the Lord God. And his tribe, his division was chosen. They would uh, Different tribes, divisions would serve one week at a time. And there were a lot of ministrations to, to serve. And at lots, you would go from level to level to level to level. And many priests would never get to burn incense. Which was a symbol of the prayers of the saints which were on the outer court. All of it being offered together. The incense and the prayers going to God. And here he is. And I told you that many priests never got this chance. The odds were really astronomical to be chosen. And if you were chosen, you were only chosen one time and you were never allowed to do it again. It was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And after that, Jewish tradition says that all of the priests and everyone that knew them would call them rich. After they got this opportunity. So here's Zechariah. As a priest, this is the pinnacle. This is the highest honor bestowed upon an Israelite, save the high priest, which would go one time a year into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. Outside of this, this was as close as you could get to God. Now watch this. But this day, this day of ministry, this day of honor, this day of what he had dreamed about as a priest was interrupted by an angel. Have you ever thought about that? An angel interrupts his priestly service. Because today was not just the day he was chosen. Today was the day that he was chosen. It wasn't just about him ministering to God, but this was the day where God was going to minister to him. It was not just about him sending up prayers, but about God sending down answers. It was not just about fulfilling the requirement of the law, but God fulfilling the the desire of an old man and an old woman. It was the scheduled day, not just as a priest, but as a person. The day that he and his wife had prayed for, but no longer prayed concerning. The day that they had forgotten, but that God had not. The day everything would change. Their story, their home, their purpose, and their countenance. And it all began with an interruption. How do you react to interruptions? Do you not know that divine interruptions are the gateway to God's glory? Divine interruptions are the gateway to God's glory. If I were he, I might be thinking something like this. Even an angel. Listen, these priests were very educated. They knew that angels were ministers of the Most High. They knew throughout all the Old Testament that angels would appear to men. But on the other side of that drape was the glory of God, the tangible presence of God. So an angel was nothing in comparison to what was on the other side of that drape. So maybe he was thinking, What are you doing here? You're not a priest. Why now? What could be more important than what I'm doing? Let me put it closer to you. What could be more important than what I'm doing? I'm wanting. What I'm praying for. What I'm trying to make happen. This was not scheduled. This was not announced in our brazenness. I didn't know about this. That's the thing about interruptions. They are never scheduled and rarely announced or explained. Interruptions create a pause between what we're doing and they begin what someone else wants to do. And for the Christian, this is primarily God. God will interrupt what you're doing to do his thing. When God gets ready to rewrite your story, he'll interrupt you in goodness. He'll interrupt your faithfulness. See, don't, don't, don't try to categorize and figure out where he should interrupt and when he doesn't. Divine interruptions are the gateway to God's glory. And many of us rebel and resist any form of introduction because we like to keep it neat, predictable, planned. A plus B equals C. C minus B equals A. Don't touch my stuff. Every place has a thing and everything. And if you want to do something, just let me know before and I'll dance with you. Can you... Can you imagine God saying, if I did that, it wouldn't be an interruption? (laughs) We never saw Galax coming. We never saw Christ Chapel coming. We never saw Isabel and Olivia coming. You never saw that move, that last move that God took you and you didn't want to go. And when you got there, you went, oh, God, thank you for interrupting my plans. Thank you for interrupting my desires oh sit there i'm gonna come after and get that little small toe on the end of that one foot how about this years later you go oh lord thank you that i didn't marry that one looky there how you kept me whoo i'm preaching to someone i love him and you saw him at the reunion "Mm Puts his belt on with a boomerang now. And you're like, what happened to him? This interruption was unexpected. Listen. Unavoidable. Unmistakable. And followed with a clear message. When God throws a wrench in your plans. Please catch this. I don't know who this is for. When he throws a wrench in your plans of obedience. Zechariah was where he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to be doing at the highest level of glory available to the Israelite. And God says, Yeah, but stop all that. Am I, am I reading anything into this besides that? He's doing that. He goes, Yeah, but Lord, this is this is the, the priesthood, and this is the yeah, Zechariah just. So he's doing his incense, and here's the angel. Yes? And he starts talking to him. Some of us are so set in our ways and so confident of what we're doing that when God pushes pause on our life to talk to us, we push play and tell him to wait till we're done. And that's scary. That's scary. I just want to finish this and then I'll talk to you. What do you think Gabriel would have did? We miss some of the most beautiful chapters in our life when we take God's pen off of our paper and say, not now. Ain't no job so special. There's no friend so dear. There's no desire so great. There's no investment so uh, sown. There's no time so precious that you should ever tell God, you wait a minute till I'm done. You're supposed to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm a son who happens to preach. And the steps of righteous men are suggested or ordered. Okay. You know what we try to do? We try to skip steps. That's why we're falling all over the place. And then when God tells us to kill our Isaac, and we say, okay, Lord. And he said, stop. Well, no, I've got to finish. I've got to finish the thing you told me to do because I don't want to be known as a quitter and I don't want to be perceived by people. And we kill the boy because we're more concerned about what someone else might say than what God will say about our life. I'm buying my own tape again. <laughs> I bought last week I'm buying this week. Number three, and there's only four, by the way. Number three, when God gets ready to rewrite your story, he speaks to you. Search the scriptures. Whenever there's a divine interruption, there's a clear communication. Angels would be, behold, I bring you great tidings of, good tidings of great joy. For unto you is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Every time an angel interrupts or every time God interrupts or every time there's a hand that appears out of nowhere, starts writing on the wall, there's a message to follow. When God interrupts your life, be still and hush because he's about to say something. When a door slams in your face and a job you've worked at for 15 years just dries up, instead of going into panic mode, be still. Because if there's a divine interruption, there's a divine voice that's going to follow right behind it with a message. You don't close my doors. God closes my doors. They just let you go? No, God closed the door. And if God wanted me to stay, I'd have stayed. This little week, this this week after Sunday when we presented our little precious boy to you, Elisha, he got very sick, and we took him to our pediatrician, and they immediately admitted him to the hospital. And immediately, you know how the devil will do. Oh yeah, you done boasted, and I mean, I didn't let him get a sentence out of his mouth. And I spoke to myself, all the principalities and powers that hate the work of God in my life. And I spoke so God and every angel in the room could hear me. I said, listen to me. That is not my boy. That is God's boy. I didn't bring him into this world. I can't keep him here. And if God takes him home, the Lord giveth. The Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So here is my look at the great thing the Lord's done, and there's a divine interruption. What do you do? Stop. Well, what do you think? And I just asked people, I said, Look, uh, uh, please pray for us, but you'll remember I wrote, We ain't worried. I'm waiting for the Lord to speak. And things have gotten really clear this week. Our boy's gonna be fine, he's fine. And I thanked the Lord on the way home. I wasn't about the sickness. I said, "Oh, thank you, Lord, that you put me at the right hospital with the right doctor, with the right assessment, and insurance to boot." God, aren't you good? Yeah. He speaks to you in a concise way, which is impossible to miss. See, God wanted Zechariah to know something, so He spoke to him in a way that Zechariah would get. He spoke to a peasant girl, Mary, with an angel. He spoke to a learned priest with an angel. But if you study out the way he talked to him, it was completely different. Mary said, How how can these things be? I've never even been with the man. She wasn't rebuked. You remember? God said, The Holy Spirit's going to come on you and the power of God's going to overshadow you. She goes, Oh, all right, good. I'm for it. Praise the Lord. Zechariah says, how can I be sure that the things you're saying are going to come to pass? And Gabriel took a tone with him. All right, well, it's about to get good. Strap in. Turbulent weather just ahead. You ready? First of all, for you, how does God speak? Through his word. By his spirit. Dreams, visions, prophecy, angels are just an inner knowing. But Gabriel... In the interruption, spoke. So at every interruption, listen for God's voice. All right, here's what he told him. Number one, fear not. Don't let this scare you. What you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're feeling. So I'm telling you, don't let whatever's going on in your life scare you. The newness of it. This don't make sense. I know I'm laboring the point, but I really want you to see it line upon line. Does it make sense for an angel interrupting the service in the temple that God demanded and commanded that it be done in the morning and the evening after the sacrifice, and God suspended the offering? It was to be uninterrupted. See, that's our problem. We want everything to make sense all the time. And sometimes you got to close your eyes to see, sometimes you just have to listen. But Gabriel spoke to him, and here's what he said. Don't fear. Don't, don't fear this. Don't fear me. Don't fear what they're going to say. Don't fear tomorrow, because God is with you. Look at what he said. He said, Zechariah. Second thing he told him was, God knows who you are. And I know this may, y'all might, you know, come here and say, that's the simplest preacher I've ever heard in my life. But listen, he said, the angel said, Zechariah. Your wife, Elizabeth, and you are going to have a boy named John. God knows your name. God knows your wife's name. And God knows the boy that hadn't even been born yet's name. We struggle with, Lord, do you really know me? Are you really current with me? Are you really with me? God is intimately acquainted with you. And the angel said two things to start off with. Stop fearing the Lord knows you. Now know who I'm preaching to this morning, but stop fearing the Lord knows you intimately. When the Bible said the hairs of our head are numbered. I know I say this all the time because I preach it to myself all the time. So does your hairbrush look like my hairbrush? Some of us go, uh, does your razor look like my razor? You'll get that later. Just there's no hair. there. The hairs of your head are numbered. It doesn't say he knows how many are up there, which he does. It says they're numbered. So in the morning, when I brushed the few that I got left, God could say, number 1,240 fell out today. Number 316 fell out today. Four holding on, but it don't look good. <laughs> Why would he include that verse in there, that the hairs of your head are numbered? God wants you to know that he's current with you. So you don't have to spend the first 30 minutes of your prayer updating God on, Lord, you need to sit down and let me tell you what's going on here. You ain't going to believe this. And you pray for 15 minutes and God says, shut your mouth. All of that is happening. I know that's what I'm saying. <laughs> God knows who you are. You know, what's the next thing Gabriel told him. It's time. God has heard your prayer. You thought he hadn't heard it just because it hadn't happened. You thought if it didn't happen by a certain amount of time, it wouldn't happen. You're confused, Zachariah. You're, you're a priest? I, I, you know, everything that happened was recorded, but not everything that was recorded happened. I wonder, it's not in the Bible, so I'm telling you, it's not in the Bible. I wonder if Zachariah said, How long have you been a priest, man? Huh? How long have you been telling everyone else about? The Word of God. Well, about 70, 80 years. So you tell other people that the Almighty God hears and answers prayer, but you don't believe it for yourself? God help us when we'll share with other people truths about God's Word that we don't believe our own self. Mm, That's strong. God has heard your prayers, the forgotten ones, the impossible ones. The abandoned ones and the tear soaked ones. So here's this angel in front of Zechariah, and in in front of Zechariah, and he said, God has heard your prayers. And then he told him this in so many words get ready to smile. You are going to have great joy and gladness. You know what the Greek for great joy and gladness is? Great joy and gladness. Great joy. God's going to wipe that scowl off your face, Zechariah. And you're going to have a countenance to go with your title. You are going to experience great joy and gladness. You know what the Lord does in our lives? He doesn't take away the sorrow. He writes on top of it great joy and gladness right on top of it. God didn't take away the sorrows of my recent years. He just filled my today with so much joy it writes right on top of it. And it, finally, in this point, the angel said, and it's going to spread. This news is going to spread. Many will rejoice at his birth. Many. Many are going to see what God does in your life. Many are going to see the change. Many are going to see the promise fulfilled. And finally, I alluded to it just a moment ago, when God gets ready to rewrite your story, he does it on top, right on top of your woundedness. Right on top. And so the angel spoke to Zechariah these things. And Zechariah said, how can I be sure this happened? A priest holding an incense on a chain, on a rope, in front of the presence of God. You're going to have a son and you're going to be filled with gladness and joy and many are going to rejoice. How can I be sure this is going to happen? Do you see the irony of this? This angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand before the living God and he sent me to tell you this. And you know what we say? Well, if an angel stood in front of me, I'd believe. Well, how about this? How about an uneducated, middle aged man who's getting a lot older standing in front of you and reading the ever living Word of God, saying that God has heard your prayers. And he's going to answer them. I wonder what it was like for him when he realized his unbelief. The angel said, because of your unbelief. So I don't know if God told him to do this or he just had the authority to deal with the situation as he seemed the best. He said, you're not going to be able to speak till the boy's born. Don't let your unbelief strip your voice away. He could not share with other people what God was going to do. And some of us have been silent for years because when good news trickles down to us or angels stand in front of us, we go, I'll see it, I'll believe it when I see it. And God says, make sure that they don't see it. It's too good to be true. No, God's so good it can't be false. So he comes home. His wife is waiting to hear how the pinnacle day of the priest went. And he's, mmm, mmm. What? Mm. So she goes to get, you know, they didn't have legal pads. So what, they have some papyrus or some, I'm asking you, I don't know. I looked in the commentaries, they didn't say. So you got a little papyrus thing and he's unrolling it. And she brings him a pen, but it don't work. It's a bank pen. You throw it out. <laughs> and uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Y'all don't ever think like this when you read the story, do you? So he begins to tell her the story. And he runs out of spades because this is a long story. And they can't find any paper. And she's going through the house. Where's the paper? When I was tripping over it yesterday, I can't find none today. And he tells her the whole story. And we're adults in this room. So I want to be able to say this clearly. And I don't mean this funny. Listen to this. I'm sure after he told her the news that they prayed together and shared themselves with one another as they had so many times in the past. But this was different. This time it was more about God's purpose than their pleasure. More about God's will than their wishes. More about His plan than their pain. And more about surrender than supplication. There's no sense of urgency or feelings to keep trying to increase the odds This was either a God thing or it wasn't. But there were no conditions upon his declaration. It was a fact. Simply a revealing of what God was going to do and that their eyes would see the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. And as time progressed, I'm sure Elizabeth would look to see if she could tell if she was pregnant. You know, no EPT back then, remember? Zach's like, "Uh, Girl, you get a little big, aren't you? Stop! That's how people found out they were pregnant. That was funny. I thought that was real funny from <laughs> she maybe even was hiding it from him till one day maybe she took zachariah by the hand and she said come here put your hand right here feel that's our boy and the process began of the rewriting of what everyone had said lisa would you mind coming up here with me this morning People used to say that she was barren, but now she's in her sixth month. People used to say that Zachariah and Elizabeth were cursed, but now we see how very blessed they were. People used to say that their season had passed, but now they realize who controls the seasons. People used to say that God had forgotten Elizabeth and God had forgotten Zechariah. But now they say that their legacy will live on forever. People used to say that serving God had profited them nothing. But now and forever they are known as the parents of John the Baptist. The forerunner of Jesus Christ, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, the one who baptized Jesus, the one of whom it said, when Jesus spoke of him, it said, greater hath never been born a man of woman than this man. They were just asking God for a boy. God was planning on giving them a John the Baptist at just the right time. Here's what you learn about what people say. In the end, what people say means nothing. And it's kind of nice when God makes them eat their words. People used to say when I was born that I would not live. And that if I lived, I'd never have the mentality of a three-year-old. And I got it all over a three-year-old. People used to say that when I got saved, I would be back to the bars and my beer in six months. And now it's been 38 years and they're still waiting. People used to say that this church plant wouldn't work. But now they say that enough people have come through these doors that eight other churches have been started. People used to say that Pastor John lost it all. But now they say God has restored him sevenfold and gave him three babies under two years old. (laughs) People used to say that the Lord had forsaken me and turned me over to my enemies, but now they said that the, they say the Lord will never leave him. The Lord will never forsake him. Great is his faithfulness. Now I've been waiting all morning to tie it together with this. If this story was about Zachariah and Elizabeth only, or about Mary the mother of Jesus, Gabriel would have said to Mary, "This thing is not possible. Is not impossible with God." But he didn't say, this thing is not impossible with God. What did he say? No thing. Nothing. No thing. So if it was this thing, it was about them. But if it's no thing, it's about all of us. And I just feel in my spirit, last week, God gave us a clarion word in this house. Blessed are those that believe, for there shall be a performance of the things that God told him. Now I want you to see it. I want you to see the pen of God over your life. And I kind of told you something that wasn't altogether true. So I'm going to make one more adjustment. God never rewrites your story. We just like to think like that because it sounds romantic, kind of like he decided to make a change. Do you know what it is instead of him rewriting? See, I baited you with the rewriting. There's no real pen. Your story was written before you were born. You just walk in it out. It just unfolds. It just unfolds. See, rewriting means that something wasn't written right to start with. So what he does, instead of the pen, he follows sorrow with joy. He follows brokenness with healing. And then he shows you that he's not adding himself to your story. He's adding you to his story. I wonder when the baby was born. As he grew up. And they saw his role. As the forerunner of Jesus Christ. They went. We, we were praying for a baby. For us. This was never. About us. This was about. The Lord. And when we get to the end of our lives. And we look back. We'll realize that we were written into. The epic novel of the riches of God's grace shown usward. Your life is written, man. Be at peace about it. Be at rest about it. What is it they used to say about you? They used to say you'd never find anybody. If God has someone for you, they're for you. People used to say you're too old to have a family. God loves making people eat their words. Do you this morning have the desire to stop listening to what people used to say and open yourself up to what God has to say about you and utter the words that Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. If that's you, if this is specific for you today, God, I believe that my story is happening right on time. I want you just to stand and silently worship him right where you are. Just lift your hands to him and say, Have your way in my life. Interrupt me. Stop me. Rearrange me. Start me over. Move me. Keep me. It don't matter. Just keep me in your will, O Lord. Keep me in your will, O Lord. I just feel in my heart there are those that I mean soon. God's gonna speak to you right through an interruption. He's gonna speak directly to you. We sang it, we've preached it, and we've prayed it today. Nothing is impossible with God. No thing. No thing. church family, would the rest of you stand with us this morning? All right, here we go. Pastors always have to lead by example, you know, and step out there. The last 5% of our story about Elisha is when we brought him home, we knew he's not the only one. So I'm telling you again, that my wife and this sterile man are going to have a child. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, we're going to have one. I just believe it. We believe he's spoken to us about it. Now, he'll have to be the one that does it. Now, I believe one day my wife is going to take my hand and put it on her stomach and say, Did you feel that? He's yours. And nothing for you, nothing shall be impossible. Let God pick and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. Beth, would you come pray over us and close today?
2: Let's pray together. God, I thank you for the peace that is found in the waiting. I thank you for the peace that's found in your presence. And I thank you for the peace that's found in following your path. Even when there's fear or confusion or frustration, the gift of the Holy Spirit brings peace. And I thank you for the peace I feel in this house today. I pray over those that leave here in the process of waiting for your best. I pray that your peace would follow them in the darkest of nights. In the scariest of moments and in the times when it just doesn't make sense. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent the gift of your son and the gift of the peace of heaven to walk out this path on earth. I thank you for this house and what it means in this area and in our area. Thank you for the love of Christ Chapel and the health of this place. I pray your blessings on it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. And Pastor John has one more thing.
1: Hey, I'm sorry. I just needed to make this announcement. Uh, Most of you already know this, but this week, one of the long,